a gentleman who's always connected to the Holy Land because he's based in the holy city of Jerusalem, and he happens to be in the United States now for a few days, but he'll be heading back to Jerusalem soon, is Rabbi Hanoch Teller, who has uh, big news in uh, his audio world. Usually usually with Rabbi Teller, we have big news in his literary world and big news in his video world, his visual world. Today we have uh, an additional piece of news, this one from his audio world. Rabbi Hanoch Teller, an honor to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Oh, thank you so very much. And uh, by the way, this dovetails perfectly with your whole intro, because uh, my podcast, that's what you're referring to, called Teller from Jerusalem, which can be found on any, on any platform, is all about the early struggle to build the state of Israel. So those of you who really want to have a, a connection to understand a little better the state of Israel, uh, I would recommend you go there. Uh, the podcast is called Teller from Jerusalem. As Rabbi Teller just mentioned, it's available on all the traditional podcast platforms. He does encourage, as do we, uh, that everybody subscribe to it, listen to it, and anything, as he just uh, indicated, that connects us to Jerusalem and to the Holy Land is of great value, especially now during this uh, very interesting era that we are in. Um, I don't, I, and I said this earlier during the show, and again, it, it may be more difficult for yourself, for you, who's who's normally entrenched in Jerusalem and has been more entrenched <laughs> in Jerusalem over the last year than normally. Uh, it might be more difficult for you to relate to this, but I don't know of a period of time in the last 73 years, and I could even make the argument that it's way earlier than just 73 years. When Jews in the diaspora felt this disconnected to the Holy Land, it was easier, follow my logic, everybody, it was easier in the early part of the 20th century, but I'm talking about before World War II, it was easier to get to the Holy Land, and again, the word easier in quotation marks, people have to understand what I mean by that, than it is now for someone in the diaspora to get to the Holy Land. What, what is your philosophical uh, observation, Rabbi Teller, about my observation? Uh, I don't know if this really qualifies within the rubric of philosophy, but the fact of the matter is, is that prior to, uh, well, from the time of the execrable white paper, it was illegal, more or less, to get into Israel. The British were guarding. Right. And then prior to that, the Turks made it all but impossible to come into Israel. And But now it's the Israeli government, the Ministry of Health, which makes it illegal for one to come to Israel because of their care and concern for Israeli citizens. Right. How so unusual! The, huh? the people who are keeping you out are are, are, are the good guys. Yeah, I, no, I get that. So, now, so basically, my theory has um, uh, has more. You've hope. been substantiated, by the way. It has or has not. You've been substantiated, in fact, corroborated. Oh, okay. I appreciate that because I thought, that based on on your initial comment, I thought uh, you were trying to emphasize how people were, in fact, shut out from heading to the Holy Land no, in the early no, part of the 20th words, century. Even with the British and the Turks, right. there were people who somehow made it there. Correct, correct. That's amazing, I'll tell you. And now we're in this era, and we are trying, as we've always done for the last 35-plus years, to bridge the gap between the diaspora and Israel. But now it's as, uh, as desperate a task as ever because I fear that as time goes on and this separation continues, that it'll be harder and harder for the average diaspora Jew to again reacquaint themselves with the Holy Land. Those who, uh, although again, especially because of our friends at the Mizrahi and what we spoke about earlier this morning, I know there are plenty of people, myself included, desperate to get back. I think there's a category of people, however, who had made plans to visit at some point, 
who had made plans to focus on the Holy Land at some point, and I think their interest may be waning. So we are in a very sensitive and, I believe, historically precarious period of time when it comes to the relationship between diaspora jury and the state of Israel. Interesting, Nachum, you're always so upbeat, and here you have such a level of timbre of such gravity in your voice, which I cannot deny. There's a remarkable story that Rav Dessler writes in his most famous of all essays, Kuntras of Chesed. He writes about it, Rav Dessler's very famous principle is, is that the more you give, the more you love. There's a, what's called in Yeshiva terminology, a chakira. Chakira means an analysis. In other words, what is a zebra? Is it a black horse with white stripes or a white horse with black stripes? In Yeshiva, we could spend years on this. Right, you know? right. Declaring a chakira. <laughs> so Rav Dessler asks, what does love emanate from? Is it because you love, you give? because you give, you love. And he proves hermetically that love emanates from giving. And then he relates a story. It's a remarkable story, which goes like this. There was a couple that was uh, separated during the war. He's referring to World War II. Scratch. He's re- yeah, it's World War II. One ended up in Australia. He doesn't say where. One ended up in Australia, the mother and the daughter. And the father and the son were then separated. And after the war, they found that they could not... When there was such a wonderful, you know, reunion, they got together again, right. but they couldn't pick up the pieces where they had left off. The mother was not able to relate to the son the way she had before, nor the father to the daughter. Could it be, he asks, that when she left the boy, he was a little boy and now he's a strapping lad? He said, no. What happened is, is that love emanates from giving. And all that time of absence, the boy was being taken care of by his father, and the little girl was taken care of by his mother. And that's why they couldn't get back, because that giving, which was absent, could not make up for all the time. What people are unaware of is Rav Dessler is writing something autobiographical. What happened was his wife went with his daughter to Europe, back to visit family in Kelm. The war broke out, and they made it Bederich, Shaloderich, to Australia. And Rav Dessler made it, it was in England, and his son went to America. He's referring to himself. And so I hear this, these ominous tomes of what you're saying is that, uh, but as long as American Jewry maintains their connection of giving to Israel, then the love will still be there. I, I hear that, but you know, you made me think that when someone, and I don't think it's an unusual situation, let's say a, a young man or woman as a student goes to a different country, studies there for a few years, and then returns home, I know there's WhatsApp, and I know there's FaceTime and everything else, but I would argue that it's probably going to be a different relationship when they get back to their family than when they left. That is precisely Rav Dessler's point. Yeah. No, I get it. And, mm-hmm. and, and and bringing it now to this national level, it's funny because in a way, and I know this from my personal experience, I pine and I yearn to land back in Israel uh, to the point that I may, you know, make every effort once I walk outside to kiss the ground in Israel. That's how much I miss it after 14 months. Last time I was there was January of 2020. But mm-hmm. I th- So I think there's that category of people, and I think there's the other category that we're now touching on. Uh, people who are, I don't know, casual lovers of Israel, people who, <laughs> who focus on Israel in a different way, maybe as not on a with the regularity that some of us do. And again, using the example of somebody like a birthright student who had planned, I'm going, I'm excited, and now, you know, life has taken a different turn, they, and it's very possible they'll just never go now at this point. And I, and I worry about that group terribly, and the example you gave is, is so poignant. Wow. And there's other reasons to be concerned insofar as that in American environment is much more toxic insofar as uh, support for Israel. Right. Certainly more toxic than it used to be, I can tell you that much. When I was a little boy, I mean, I'm 27, but when I was a little <laughs> boy, 
Yeah, why is that so funny? Because I know, because I know why you're here in America, and, uh, <laughs> and that would be difficult to believe when you have a big simcha today. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, I remember I, I grew up in a non-Jewish neighborhood, and during the Six Day War, everybody, yeah. I was, again, I was a little boy, but everybody was pro-Israel. Yeah. We're not in that situation today. What city I mean, did you grow up in? Stanford, Connecticut. Wow. Oh, so you. You know a lot of people that I know. I bet. Anyway, <laughs> so I bet that. Anyways, but I. That's true. Um, but and also, uh, and and not to get too political, but as as I'm sure you know, even before you arrived on these shores for your most recent visit, uh, there's a toxic in atmosphere in general going on here that's uncomfortable. You know, forget for a moment specifically the Jewish community in Israel. Just in general, there's there's a there's such a an air of uncertainty which makes life somewhat uncomfortable for many of us in this country. Um, and that's something to consider now also. You have all these things, you have all these things converging at once, which makes for a very interesting uh, period of time that we're living through right now. And for many people, a scary period of time, frankly. Rabbi Hanoch Teller is with us. The podcast is called Teller from Jerusalem. How many episodes have you done already? Uh, I don't even know. Meaning, I, I imagine there's seven or eight that are aired. Uh, we've already pre-recorded 20. It sounds that uh, it's amazing how much work. I mean, I thought my history is my strength, and we're talking about the birth of Israel and that early struggle to build the state. Right. Uh, but it's amazing. I, I'm telling you a, an absolute fact. Every single episode, which is only 20 minutes, takes me over 16 hours to prepare. That's it? I, 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 I know this industry very well. I'm shocked it's only 16 hours. You must be an, exp- oh, you must you. Be an, ex- you must be an experienced you. person in general, frankly. And, and by the way, I'm only half kidding because I get it that it takes 16 hours to prepare 20 minutes. Uh, the most recent episode you recorded, give me the theme. Like, what was it? Was it about a specific hero, a specific episode? Like, uh, let me know the approach until, on this. I think we're, we're, we're basically discussing the Balfour Declaration. Mm-hmm. And it's like reading a uh, – it's like the Megillat there. There's just so many heroes that came out of nowhere and things right. that happened, and it happened that yeah. Weizmann discovered uh, acetone, which was critical for the British government in their right. war effort. Acetone, we know, is nail remover. Right. It's also critical for ammunition, and Britain desperately needed it. They usually hadn't imported it from Germany. They couldn't get it from Germany. Obviously, they were fighting Germany. They couldn't get it from America because there were U-boats, and they had to desperately need... They needed 90 million gallons. And so young... Winston Churchill turned to uh, this professor, Dr. Chaim Weizmann. Can you help me? Instead of fainting, I need 90 million gallons. He got to work, and he, he turned out this artificial acetone from chestnuts. And that made him in a key position to be, you know, they were beholden to him. Uh, and there's just one player after another player that was instrumental, including Rav Koch, who happened to have been, he said he was exiled from Israel. He had gone to Europe to try and encourage Agudat Israel, which had their 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 kinus in, in, in Switzerland, right. he went there to, be, uh, to speak in their behalf, to try and get them more encouraged to be pro-Israel. The war broke out. The conference never took place. He then traveled to England, and he was able to, there was some, everyone in England was sort of pro the, pro-Balfour, but the British parliamentarians that were Jewish were always afraid, the problem of always a Jewish parliamentarian, of a Jewish person in office, is afraid that would look like dual loyalty. So Cook was able to influence, you know, assert his influence on Anglo Jewry, and many people who were in the wrong place at the right time 
were able to be involved in this. So it's one episode after another, pardon the term episode, <laughs> of how things we don't expect happened, which are so instrumental in building the state. You know, and many unsung heroes. I, I, you know what tomorrow night is, obviously, 73rd birthday, or being observed as the 73rd birthday of the state of Israel. Uh, it's it sometimes, uh, and Mayor Weingarten and I always discuss this on the air, uh, if, only, if only people, um, uh, at the minimum, if people would at least acknowledge the miracle, the miraculous um, uh, moves of history, right? Chess moves, Kaviyachol, uh, from the one above, uh, of history that went into um, this day. I'm not, I'm not saying everyone's got to sing songs and say Hallel and, and observe and, and, and shave tomorrow night. I'm not going into all that, you know, although I think all those are legitimate positions. All I'm saying is I wish every Jew around the world understood what type of miracle it was that you're describing in these podcasts. Okay, yeah, so I'm referring, this is an unabashed plug for this, because uh, it took a lot of work. It, you cannot know unless you know the history. You can't right. go fu- understand the future unless you understand the past. Yeah. And we're going through it. My strength is history and stories, and we weave it together well to present this picture of what happened that we cannot know. And we need to appreciate a miracle, which is not so long ago. Rabbi Beryl Wine tells the story. And I know this because I know my father's a Chalavracha. He was of that age, you know, one who came over from Europe. Yep. He tells that in Chicago Coliseum, on, uh, when, Israel, <laughs> when Israel became a state, he said there were 20,000 people inside and 40,000 people outside. And he said they raised the flag, Israeli flag, up the rafters of the Chicago Coliseum. He said, there, he, and then Rabbi Berowin said in his great dry humor, as far as I'm concerned, they should have stopped the program right then and there before the speeches. Right. But right. before the flag was at half-mast going up, the <sighs> whole place was doubled over crying because they understood what it meant to have finally a state of Israel. If only 15 years earlier there would have been such a place which could have been a refuge and a haven for Jewry. Wow. This was the perfect day to have you on. As uh, again, we have proven God is the ultimate producer. Um, <laughs> the the podcast, and I wish I had more time for you. Frankly, the, the podcast is Teller from Jerusalem. Check it out. All your uh, uh, your high quality traditional podcast platforms. Or by Chanoch Teller, it's the latest um, uh, the latest weapon in his repertoire of trying to get people to know Jewish history and try to get people to understand where we come from and where we're going. Uh, again, the podcast is called Teller from Jerusalem. And those of you not familiar with everybody, Teller's works, and of course I find it hard to believe that there's anybody like that, but just in case, you can Google him and see just how many books he's written, how many great stories he's told, and how many wonderful lectures and videos he has delivered. And I take this opportunity, everybody, Teller, to wish you a mazal tov on today's simcha. Thank you very and- much for joining together with our, with our children. Thank you for being active participants, and thank you for the wonderful interview. I appreciate this. Uh, my pleasure. Um, check out Rabbi Hanoch Teller's website, Google him, and check out the brand new podcast, Teller from Jerusalem. Always a pleasure and honor to speak with him here on JM and the AM.